Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack, he is Frank. This week we are going to talk a little rookie wide receiver class, a little rookie tight end class. Uh, But first, before we do that, Frank and I wanted to talk a little bit about the Jalen Carter, I don't want to call it news, Frank, but maybe report is probably the best the best way to put it. Um, the Bears have met with Jalen Carter for the second time as teams continue to do their homework, their due diligence on him, just to really make sure they know exactly what kind of prospect he really is, both in the football sense as well as the person. Um, and Frank, I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, Drew Rosenhaus, who's the uh, agent for Jalen Carter, declined interviews for teams outside of the top 10. Uh, you and I thought he might fall a little bit farther than nine. Uh, they don't seem to believe that. Um, what do you think about the strategy of just declining offers and outside of the top 10? That to me feels like agent savviness or, or maybe even like, you know, like neglect if, if you look at it the opposite way. Um, or like malpractice, if maybe is a strong word, but like, I think they're pushing all their chips in and saying like, no, we're going to build his value because, and even if it's not true, maybe you get people who are outside the top 10 that if these top 10 teams aren't, you know, going to draft him, they're going to want to trade up. But again, that's sort of, I feel like it's a weird, like double-edged sword type of thing, because if you're not letting them interview him, they may not, I mean, you know, the character concerns or, or, you know, what have you, they're not going to be able to be answered. Uh, but it it feels very much like we're putting all our chips in the center. I'm getting my prospect at the top 10 one way or another. Well, I thought it was kind of weird that, like, to say, well, we're not going to talk to teams outside of the top 10 because we feel he's going to go in the top 10. I mean, that's fine. But, like, what about so you a team, like you were saying, who wants to trade up maybe for, like, you're not going to talk to the Titans at 11? They, they, who may trade up with the Bears to get you? Like I, I don't, I don't really understand the strategy. I understand not talking to a team in like the late twenties, early, you know, late twenties, thirties. Fine, but like, wh- why not talk to teams that might trade up for you? I, I, I guess I don't quite understand that. Yeah, well, that's why I said it's like, I think I understand the logic of it being like we like, you know, this is our value. This is where we're gonna go. But again, with and that would make sense if the character concerns weren't there. If he crushed his pro day, if the legal things or or the uh, I don't even know what not necessarily legal stuff, but just the everything that's been surrounding Jalen Carter the last couple of months, if that wasn't there, I yeah, I, I think it would make more sense. But at this point, you'd think you'd be a little more open. But then uh, again, that's what makes me feel like this is like this agent sort of thing going on, where it's like no, even with all this, my guy's still top ten. That's who we're honing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't know. It it, it does feel strange. Well, and there there is something I, I do want to clarify uh, real quick because Adam Schefter's tweet was a little confusing. Um, Jalen Carter visited the Bears on April the 3rd for the first time. It was his second visit, having visited the Eagles as well. So it sound, he made it sound like – this is why I don't follow Adam Schefter. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you, Frank. I haven't followed him since uh, all the stuff happened with Dwayne Haskins. And, and the way oh, he what a fucking ugly. Yeah, I was like, man, forget it. I, I, I don't need to follow. 
Oh, you anymore. Um, but uh, before, you know, not to get into all of that, of course, but on the Bears side of things, Frank, what do you think this visit means? Do you think it's maybe a sign uh, that there is some legitimate interest on the Bears side? Or do you think it's just Ryan Poles just doing his homework? No, I mean, there still has to be legitimate interest in him. I think this is, I mean, because just take the player, take the talent. He's a perfect fit for what Matt Aberflus wants to do. He's talked about how important that position is to this defense. He's talked about wanting to build the interior defensive line. And when you talk about prototypes, it, it doesn't get better than what Jalen Carter is. Not only just to the bears. I mean, that type, you, you know, that that's like, he has the potential to be uh, Aaron Donald, Warren Sapp, like that type of impact from an interior defensive lineman. You, any team needs that. Every team needs that. Um, so from that standpoint, you have to do your homework. And from the perfect fit standpoint, you absolutely have to be certain that if we're going to take this guy off of our board, or it's just like, if maybe if we trade down in the teens and he's still there, then maybe you have to, you know, like turn over every single stone. And, and, and that, that's what, that's what I think that they're doing. Um, what I don't want them to do though, because I do think he's a perfect fit, you know, trait wise, player wise, position wise. I don't want them to ignore any sort of red flags in these interviews of like chalking it up as like, ah, we can work with that. Oh, maybe he's a little immature. Maybe it won't be great for the locker room, but he's such a good player. Like we have to take him. You know what I mean? Like, and again, it it feels like another almost double-edged sword because I feel like the, you, you want to meet with him to make sure that you, you know, turn over every stone. But then the more you meet with him, that gives you more opportunities to, sort of ignore, be like, ah, well, I can brush it under the rug, or ah, I can, so I, I guess what I'm saying is I really hope that Eberflus and Poles have more of a, um, for lack of a better word, like strict demeanor, where it's like, for instance, like if, if, I'm, as- if I'm asking you a question, I'm not giving you the answer that I want to hear, you know what I mean, like within the question, because I need you to tell me absolutely what I need to hear, but I need it to come from you. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that to me, things like that, I'm thinking of like interviewing candidates for different jobs and things, I'm like, I, I, need to hear this from you without anyone else giving you that answer. And if you can, if you can give me that, that will alleviate any worry or, or a worry that I had about you. Um, but yeah, I mean, there has to be legitimate interest. Uh, I'm certainly not going to take back. And I don't think you are either. Like if we do wind up drafting him, I'm not going to take back the way I felt. I still wouldn't do it. Um, but that to me just means he answered all of their questions and you know, the red flags that they may have had going into these interviews, he was able to absolve. Yeah, I think this is going to be the first pick that really establishes how Ryan Poles is and and Matt Eberflus as well are really looking to build this team um, more so than any of the picks last year is kind of just a transition period, obviously. But this is draft will really set the tone for how they're looking to build this team for the future. And I, I think there's a lot of gamesmanship to it. That seems to be the case with Ryan Poles. I saw some people talking the last few weeks about how they don't like how Ryan Poles is so transparent and honest about sort of where he's, where he's at currently. They think he's maybe giving away a little too much and feels a little too much like a you know first-time GM, a young GM. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, you know, we had last week, we were talking about Jalen Carter, uh, a lot, obviously, and Brian Poles basically saying, 
you know, I think we could handle it possibly with the locker room we have. Um, but I'm not sure if we're really there yet to have that type of personality. If in fact, that is how Jalen Carter is. I, I think there is some gamesmanship here. Uh, and, and, you know, we were talking about it right before we, st- we started recording, but Ryan Poles might be getting it out there that he's talking with Jalen Carter to yeah. convince some teams Jane Carter makes it to nine. You know, we'll we'll take some phone calls. We'll we'll trade back one more time. Why not? There's a lot of holes on this team, Frank. We talked about this a ton. Uh, I, I do think there is some genuine interest in, in the position, in the player. Uh, of course, there should be. He was talked about as possibly going number one overall when they had originally had the first pick. So if they could potentially get the player at nine, you know, that's, that's huge. It, it just depends on the person and also... Again, I think there's some gamesmanship to maybe get another offer to trade back a little bit more if they feel there's some prospects still available. Yeah, no, there. I mean, he's been playing that those types of games. With, I should say, right? Of course, but he's been playing those types of games even when he had the when the Bears had the number one pick, and he was doing the whole oh, well, I know for sure I can get a 25 first. I know for sure I can get. I mean, it's it's astonishing to me that you know people hated. Ryan Pace, because he only spoke once a year. And now we have a, a a GM who is very forthright, who is very upfront, who is very honest. That, to me, is amazing. That was the one thing. I mean, we're Cubs fans, Jack. Like That's what I loved about Theo Epstein. He didn't play this mysterious bullshit. I'm like, uh, you know, especially in football, it seems like there's this weird thing that franchises start to do with, like, this competitive advantage. We can't, like, give away the competitive advantage. There, there, is, there is none. Like, uh, again, like, when you take away that allure... And you think about like the owners meetings and, and the, when people get together and, and the coaches get together, you got, you think these guys aren't talking to each other. Like right. that's asinine again. Like th- th- this is a loose comparison, but we all play. Well, not we all, I don't know if any people listening, but me and you play dynasty football. We're in the same league. We've been in the same division. We're still talking about trades that we're actively a part of. Like other people are also coming to us. Hey, what do you think about this one? What do you think about that? And it's like things just, that just naturally happens when you're in charge of a team you're going to make connections with people. You're going to get people's opinions. Like, can people be nefarious and give you the the, the wrong opinion or, or differing opinion to, like, throw you off your game? Sure. But, again, like, this isn't their their life. This is their job. You know what I mean? So when, when people have that weird, like, oh, like, he's talking too much, that's not how, like, it's not how it works. Like, everyone knows the holes on the Bears. Everyone knows the holes of different teams, like, the possibility of them drafting people, trading for people, signing people. Like, this, this isn't a big fucking secret. Like, we know this. If, if me and you, who have zero inside or, or uh, inside knowledge of things, know that it's a possibility that the Bears can draft Jalen Carter, you don't think everyone else in the fucking league with inside knowledge knows this? Like, come on. Like, p- people just get so uptight about this shit, and it's so weird. Like, I'm thinking about it from an entertainment standpoint. I'm thinking about it from a fan who likes to be in the know as much as possible without actually knowing coaches and, and having access to beat reporters. That's awesome to have a GM who's talking to us. I would take a weekly, I would take a fucking podcast from him, to be honest, but you get, give us a bi-weekly podcast, but you know, like, I don't know, people, people get weird with stuff like that. And it's honestly annoying because we've seen the the total contrast to that. And then it's probably the same people who were upset that Ryan Pace never spoke out, you know, ever. Right. Right. No, I think, I think there's a lot of benefits to, to Ryan Poles and I think he's, you know, uh, we heard a lot about how, how smart he was how smart the bears thought he was and how good they think he can be at this. I think we've kind of seen that uh, just in the sense of how many 
decisions he's made that have just really kind of made sense. I mean, almost everything you and I have called for, he's he's pretty much done. Not saying that he's listening to the podcast. I mean, of course he is. That that needs that doesn't need to be said. But I mean, like, we didn't want him to sign Roquan Smith, traded him. Didn't want him to keep Khalil Mack, traded him. Traded Robert Quinn, made a lot of sense. What did he do in the in the offseason? He uh, or it, during the season, what we need, get Justin Fields help, get him weapons, trades for Chase Claypool. Granted, enough has been talked about that in the offseason. We think you should trade back, trades back and gets future capital and a potential wide receiver one for Justin Fields, building around the guy that we want him to build around. Signs some really good linebackers that make a lot of sense for this defense. I just like some of the things Ryan Poles is doing. A lot of it makes sense. And I think this draft is really going to determine how we feel about Ryan Poles' drafting ability. Because I think that's arguably the biggest question I have about him at this point. I, I like how he values contracts. That's number one. I, I've, I've, he, he had a lot of money to spend. And one thing I said before the free agency started was don't expect him to, to just go crazy because that just didn't seem like the type of person he was. And he really didn't. He went for value. He went for things that made sense on his end. He wants to build this thing for the future, not just for one shot at a, at a ring and see what happens. Um, so I guess drafting is probably the biggest question I have. And what they do at the nine pick, whether it's trading back again, whether it's drafting Jalen Carter, whether it's drafting one of the cornerbacks, whether it's drafting an offensive tackle, I think it's really going to determine how I view Ryan Poles' drafting ability moving forward. Because the last draft wasn't great. It wasn't it wasn't perfect, but I think there's a lot more good to it than there was bad. I mean, you look at some of the progress that those those second round picks made. Obviously, they feel like Braxton Jones can be a starter at left tackle. That's very clear throughout free agency. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of positives to that draft, and we'll see how he continues that pace moving forward. Was there anything else you wanted to say about the whole Jalen Carter visit? Um, no, no, but I, 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 I want to like survey the the landscape because a lot of people feel the way that we do. And I think people are going to tell on themselves that are just sort of going with the flow and like, you know, don't want to stir the pot, if you will. But if people start to switch up after if the Bears draft Jalen Carter up, it's going to tell me a lot about Bears Twitter. Because, um, again, I, it's it's not the talent for me. I, I just we're I, I don't think the Bears have built enough to get someone in who may not be the best for a locker room, for a team, for off the field issues. Because right? I think it, I think it's more maturity than anything else, to be honest with you. And I don't know if they've cultivated, you know, that space yet. If, if this was next year's draft, and I, and, you know, coming off a seven eight win type of year, with you know a little bit more culture to the team, I, I think you take that chance. I don't think you can, and and that that's where I stand on it. Um, and I just know because I've seen it already. I've seen people, you know, switch things up after they've given an opinion and all of a sudden, you know, polls does something differently than what they wanted him to do. They're like, Oh, this is fucking great. So you were just saying yesterday that it would, it would be the worst day of your life if, uh, yeah. if this happened. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on, to be honest with you. I I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little petty. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, more than, more than deserved. And I know you like to be Mr. Petty. 
Mr. Mr. Frank Petty, not Tom Petty. He's dead. Mr. Frank Petty, his his long lost brother. Uh, <laughs> Frank, I did want to touch on some related Bears free agency news. Uh, nothing major, but uh, the Bears did re-sign Nathan Peterman for for some, <laughs> for some reason. Maybe they think, you know what? Maybe we need to go get the number one pick next year. All right, maybe we need to be careful get Caleb Williams or get in position to get that pick. And then, you know, so they bring out, they bring out the Peterman, uh, the Colts signed free agent running back Darrington Evans. So he is obviously not going to be back with the bears. Not really a surprise there. Uh, and then he, Trevor Simeon is talking with the Cincinnati Bengals to potentially be the backup quarterback for Joe Burrow. One thing I thought was weird is like how much attention the Trevor Simeon signing has gotten recently. It's, it's, People talk about – I think he's probably going to be a coach at some point, Frank. It really sounds like he's going to go like the Mike Kafka route eventually. Uh, but, like, people love him. It's it's very interesting. And I, I think you said it perfectly last week when we were talking about – when we were talking about P.J. Walker. And basically, Trevor Simeon is a good guy to have to really help Justin learn the offense. In terms of playing ability, maybe they just wanted something a little bit different. So, again – Nothing major, but you know some some news there. Frank, did you did you have anything before we get into our our rankings of the rookie wide receivers, rookie tight ends, anything? Uh, no, nothing, nothing as it relates to what we were saying. I, before we dive in, though, I, I'll say as I scouted these players, I'm I'm impressed with Ryan Poles, man. I, I I am because you know he knew that the Bears still needed a playmaker at receiver. I don't think any of these guys are it. That doesn't mean we don't draft one in like the third or fourth round. Cause I think some of these guys in my top eight are probably going to be there around that range. There's probably going to be like one or two first round picks at receiver. Um, and none of these guys are close to, to DJ Moore. So for him to pull what he did to get the support and add even more draft picks, he clearly, I mean, I think he knows what he's doing. Um, so that, that made me very, very happy. Yeah. And, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's it's interesting, Frank. It's it's I, I haven't felt this way about a rookie class in a while. Yeah. I mean, since the Nikhil Harry draft, right? Like that was the last time that I was like this blah about a draft class. I, I think there's some good I think there's better players at the top. But the depth is kind of like eh. But I do feel like any almost pretty much anywhere one of these players go, it's really going to depend on team and scheme fit and who else is across from them. Yeah. Uh, much uh, unlike last year where it was like, all right, Garrett Wilson was my number one. He could go anywhere and be a superstar. Like that, that was how I felt. He went to the Jets. I didn't feel great about that. But even with the terrible quarterback play, obviously he proved to be a very good player already. Chris Olave was, I think, my number three, and and you know he was great in, in New Orleans, but I don't know if that would have happened if he was maybe lining up with other in Philadelphia or something right, like that. Right. Um, Drake London, I, I man, I, I <laughs> if any of these guys go to Atlanta, Frank, I'm, I'm not going to feel good. I'm really not going to feel good about any of these guys going to Atlanta because I just don't think they know what they're doing there. Um, but let's uh, let's start with the let's start with the wide receivers. I know that you mentioned that you had quite a few. I think you did uh, you did ten. Is that correct? I did ten, but the last two I were more like notations because I, I I sort of this is the first time I had to do this with the receiver class, 
in a very long time. I did the same thing I did with running backs. I was sort of scouting. I was like, okay, these guys look, they're distinguishing themselves. They're sort of, they look like NFL guys. I got to about eight or nine and I was like, okay, here's where it starts to feel like all of them are, are, are the same. Um, so you may even have a different like back half of the list for me. I, I had some others jotted down um, that like you could put them at like eight, nine, 10 ish, but it all started to be blah from there. Um, how, how do you, so the, uh, well, let me just say that the last two for me, and I'll give you my quick uh, notations on them. Cause I, I don't have to take a deep dive. And if you have them elsewhere, you can, uh, you can, you can do that. But um, Keishan Boutte and, and uh, Rashi Rice were the two that I was just like, you know, like I, I wanted to make sure I put I put footnotes on. I thought um, Rice was a very strange watch for me because it was very clear that he was very physically talented, but it was like something was missing almost to a point where like I wanted to know, like, when did you start playing football? Like sometimes he looked a little bit lost. He didn't always finish his routes, um, but his physical traits were just like off. That Like there were certain highlights. Where I'm like, holy shit. Like, why can't he do this more consistently? Like it's, it's very clear he's a good athlete. Um, and then, I mean, I, 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 the reason why I had, I had, I had Kayshawn is because I keep seeing people like, he's going to be the steal of the draft. And, but it's like, I read like bios about him and I'm watching his tape and I'm like, what are people seeing that? Like he, he, he has solid tape, but then you see everything around it where it's like, he's just skipping, you know, uh, he, he, he missed a year and, um, I don't know. It just seemed very, he had a lot of red flags for me. But I, I, I want to make sure that I notated him. He didn't really make the top 10, but those are the last two that I jotted down because I see the talent, but it just seems like people were almost, I don't know, maybe like highlight culture took over and people were like, yeah, look at this great play. He'd be fucking phenomenal. But then when you really watch their tape, both of them felt like just things were missing. But but I've seen them go pretty high in mock drafts. Um, I don't know if those two major lists at all, if you had any notations on them, but I want to make sure I touched on those before we got into to the actual list. People, people love these two guys, I, I think, I think a big part of it was it, he went to LSU, right. And he was like right. the number one right wide receiver there. And, you know, you've seen kind of guys coming out of there, like uh, Jamar chase, obviously um, Justin Jefferson. Uh, he, honestly, Frank, he, he kind of just reminds me of Terrace Marshall, like 2.0 in terms of the hype that's there. And that being said, Terrace Marshall, I thought, played a lot better last year and, and might actually ha be able to carve a rollout for himself in this Panthers offense this upcoming season. Um, we'll, we'll see, but like people kind of just assume because he was a, a an LSU tiger, he was just going to be the next big thing. I think scouts have kind of been like, eh, he doesn't really do anything. <laughs> that's all that special. Yeah. He just, there was some character stuff with him as well. And then uh, Rashi Rice, he was an SMU guy, so a lot of people were comparing him to to Danny Gray, who went to the 49ers. I think it was uh -huh. like the third round last year, and uh, they thought that Danny Gray was a better prospect than than Rashi Rice. So, I, I, again, it's kind of like I know we're talking about the bottom; we're not even towards the top. But like, as we're talking through this, I'm kind of comparing what I had ranking wise versus like what uh, Fantasy Pros has their rookie rankings as. And, like, they have these two guys as wide receiver seven and wide receiver eight. Wow. Yeah. So and it's just, it's just, I, I just. But yeah. that's, but Jack, that's what made me feel sort of blah about this draft because my number 10 last year was Christian Watson. And it was mm -hmm. only because he, I thought he was a boom or bust type of prospect where it's like, 
he's so physically talented, but he's like he 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 seemed to lose focus a lot. I mean, he had he had his his cons, right? He has the sort of red flags as a player, but like you saw it with him still. And we saw him play really good last year in spurts. I don't I don't even think that like my nine and ten or I don't remember who I had nine last year. But I, I didn't. I I felt one through ten could have all gone in the first and like mid second rounds, and they damn near all did. Like our our whole top ten went before day two was over with. And yeah, I, I felt, don't feel I this way about about, <laughs> about this draft. Some of these guys in this top eight may be like fourth rounders. I, I felt good about last year. I felt I did way too. better about last year, and it, it's a tough draft to really need a lot in. Like you think of like Jahan Dotson. Like Jahan Dotson would. Yep probably be number my number three number two he would probably maybe. be my number two or three yeah like you think of, i mean you just just look at these names last year drake london jameson williams garrett wilson chris olave Traylon burks sky moore Jahan dotson christian watson george pickens alec pierce like last year's was really fucking good man <laughs> that's why yeah. you and i were screaming to the heavens Ryan pulls to draft us a fucking wide receiver because who knows what what's going to come next. And unfortunately, you know, unless you're you're at sort of the top and granted, Ryan Poles might trade back into the teens and get one of these guys. It's still very possible. I still think it could happen. Frank disagrees. Of, well, because I just think a lot of these guys are going to be available in the second and third. I, I don't well, even think you take a shot on. Let's go through. Let's go through six through ten. What what who is who is your six through ten? And we'll see. Well, if so we I'll, have do, a bit I'll do I'll do I'll do six, seven, and eight. Because again, like once I got to Rashi and Kayshawn, they sure. sort of felt the same as, as essentially everyone else from the list that I, I was pulling from. Um, eight for me was Josh Downs. Uh, seven for me was Jonathan Mingo. Six Jalen Hyatt. Um, quick tidbits on all. Uh, I I, I thought. To be quite honest with you, I, I thought Downs was like the best pure athlete. Like, I, I don't know if he has it together route tree wise, but he had this like um, Kadarius Tony type of like when you get the ball mm. in his hands, like he is very explosive. Um, and I, I saw a couple of like Debo, but Debo was like, when you get the ball in his hands, he's a fucking running back versus like um, Downs and like that, that Tony type of mold is more of like, you know, quick, quick twitch type of thing. And he had, he had that, uh, to him, um, Mingo, let let me say this too, that there were a few guys that that felt like old school receivers to me. Like there was a couple possession receivers in here. Uh, Mingo being one of them, he reminded me a lot of Moose Muhammad, just like Mm. nothing really stood out, but he always seemed to be like, he, he knew where to sit in his own very good hands. Again, nothing special, but you would just sort of like, you know, watch, um, the tape from a game and nothing looked great. And you look up and it's like, oh, seven catches for 95 yards and a touch. I'm like, yeah, it was a better, better game than you would have thought just by looking at it. And he had like that sort of um, very consistent type of film um, that I enjoyed. And then Jalen Hyatt for me, um, he he may be actually like the biggest boomer bust on my list. Um, I mean, talk about fucking speed. He may be the, the fastest straight line guy here. Um, but he but he had more of like a... Uh, more of like a Will Fuller type of thing where like the intermediary stuff was still there, but the route tree may hold him back from what he can really be. Like I, I don't think any of these dudes that I named are like wide receiver ones, but I think they can be really good complementary pieces. Um, if you have a, you know, a, an actual X on the opposite side of them. Um, but again, six through eight, these, those might be fourth rounders. Like they, they yeah. like their, their tape didn't like jump out at me. Um, 
I know, I know Hyatt had a pretty good, uh, uh, what was it? A private workout pro day that I was reading about that people were pretty impressed with that may, that may bring him up. But again, like, yeah, it, it was nothing like, you know, all oh, the bears would need this type of guy. I mean, like I, I look at like even someone who could fit what they're doing would be like a Hyatt guy, but like, is he better than Darnell? Darnell can stretch the field. I think just as well, you know, here's the thing with Jalen Hyatt. Uh, he ran a, what was it? Like a four, four. I, it, it's hard for me not to think a team will buy into that speed and like right. and just trade up for him. And yeah, he's probably going to be a deep shot specialist, but you know, NFL, and it comes to the NFL draft, they fucking love those speed guys. John <laughs> Ross, Tavon Austin, like those guys just get drafted so high. And uh, not for nothing, Jalen Hyatt put together one hell of a season. I believe he won the best receiver in college last year. Like he was really fucking good. Uh, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, Frank, Bears need speed. I, I know the joke, obviously, would be if they did draft Jalen Hyatt, that you're drafting back-to-back Tennessee wide receivers uh, based off of just speed. But obviously, I think Jalen Hyatt is uh, just a little bit better of a, of a prospect than uh, than Vellis. Yes. I mean, uh, we didn't even scout. We didn't even fucking scout Vellis last year. Didn't even know the name, Frank. Yeah. I'm not going I'm, I'm to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, uh, but no, very similar uh, six through eight. I had uh, a, the only difference being I, I take out Mingo and put in uh, Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. Uh, I, I do have a slight bias towards Iowa State. My brother went there, so I'm going to be full disclosure. But that's why I mean, that's why I had Brees Hall as my number one running back last year when all the talk was going to Ken Walker. But Xavier Hutchinson is uh, going to be slept on a little bit, Frank, and I think he could be I know. You're listening to me right now, and you're like, I've been burned by Iowa State receivers in the past, all right? But Xavier Hutchinson is, is definitely a little bit better. Doesn't have the the best speed uh, and and is going to get into a lot of contested catches, but he usually wins those. So if, if you need a contested catch guy, he's he's going to be your, your option. So I'm, I'm curious. Again, I think for him it will determine – it will depend on where – he goes team wise, but I really like Xavier Hutchinson. So uh, keep that name in mind. He was one. He was one that I saw. It, it was him. There was another. There was another jump ball guy that I did not rank that I liked as well. Let, let me let me pull up my notes. Um, but I, I I I agree with you. But again, it came to a point where it's like I can see Xavier Hutchinson going in the third, just like I can see everyone else or fourth, just like everyone else that you know that I could have listed from like maybe six to 15. You know what I mean? Like it's just that none of these guys started to really separate themselves. Um, are we going, we want to do four and five really quick? Yeah, we'll do four and five. Perfect. Uh, five for me, uh, was Zay flowers. Four for me was, uh, Cedric Tillman, the, uh, the opposite receiver of, uh, of Jalen Hyatt in college. Um, Zay Flowers, you know, it was really weird. I, I was going into his tape expecting him to be more of a Debo Samuel type of prospect. Cause I saw the comparisons nonstop on Twitter I didn't see that at all. Um, when I watched him play, he was more of like a, a a slippery slot type of dude. He reminded me a lot of like Julian Edelman, that type of like super, like it's very clear to me he has a very high IQ. Um, you talk about like sitting in zones or, you know, just uh, there, there were there were certain plays where it looked like they were option routes and he just absolutely read where a linebacker was going to be and went the opposite way and got wide open. Like it was a lot of that type of things. I think if you pair him with like a, a really high IQ quarterback, you would see him make him and that quarterback duo be one of those like underrated, like maybe he won't, he won't 
he may not get like 1400 yards, but just like a 900 thousand yard, just like four or five years in a row where you're just like very consistent. I, I really liked his film. He was exciting to watch. Um, and Cedric Tillman, dude, I, I swear to, I, I couldn't shake this comparison in my head from the very first clip that I saw. I was like, this dude is Cortland Sutton from like mm. the, the size, the, uh -oh. like the way he played, even some of the cons that I was looking at, like, Oh, like he's a body catcher coming out of college. And he just, he, he looked very much like that, that sort of play style. Um, to a point where I think he has one of the higher floors in, in, in this draft. I, I like, I was sort of watching his route running. It's not super impressive, but he was able to use his size when he needed to the 50, 50 balls. I thought he was really, really good at. Um, but again, there, there sort of becomes a trade-off for me um, with, with the, uh, with the bigger guys where it's like, I don't expect them to have the quickest feet. I expect them to know how to get to a spot and like win a jump ball. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like separation and all that sort of, it isn't the, the, the biggest deal. Like I, I thought that way of Drake London last year and he was my number one. It's like, he didn't separate that much, but he knew how to go up and get the fucking football. Like that's what I need for my big guys. Um, I don't think Cedric is that. Um, I think he's sort of a tear down from that type of prospect, but yeah, those are my, my, my four and five. Cedric Tillman was my, was my number nine full disclosure. Okay, uh, nice. I, I, I really liked him though. Uh, I, you, you said Cortland Sutton, which I know a lot of uh, our, our listeners are going to hear that and, be like, oh God, here we go, here we go again with Frank and, and his and his love affair with, with Cortland Sutton. I love Sutton. I love Cortland Sutton. Uh I saw Michael Pittman, if I'm gonna be I, yeah. completely honest well, with I, you. Well, I compared Pittman to Sutton too. Do you remember yeah, when we did that? I, yep. I do, I do. So that yeah, I, I I'm on board with you there. Um I I had as my four and five, I had Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma as as my number five. I think he's a guy that's going to be really slept on, but who could end up being really, really good. He just didn't have the quarterback play to really show what he could do this this year. But past couple of years when he had the big, you know, when Caleb Williams was there, he was really productive. Um, so I think that could translate. People are falling in love with him all over again. It's it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Zay Flowers, not my number four. I absolutely love Zay Flowers. I agree basically with everything you said about him. Going to be a really, really good target in the slot. And, and yeah, I don't really understand the comparison that you had said other people were giving him. But, I mean, man, the guy caught 12 touchdowns last year, like, playing at Boston College. And the way he did it, too, wasn't just your typical catch the ball in the middle of the field and run away and run real fast. Like, he was also making some contested catches for a guy his size. Uh, was a little more impressive to me than, than Josh Downs. Like, they're both kind of similar in size, but for some reason I couldn't stop saying Josh Downs looked smaller, played smaller than Zay Flowers did. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, how do you want to do? You want to do three, two, one, and then go from yeah. there? We'll go. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go one by one because this one's gonna piss you off. My number three, I had Jackson Smith Najiba. Oh yeah, um, we're fighting in the parking lot. Yeah, I, you're I, right. I know. Yeah. I'm. I'm coming I'm over. Sorry. We're fighting. I. You know what? I think I went in with a bias because a lot of people, you know, mocked him to the Bears at nine or if they traded back to the teens. And the comparison was like, oh, he, he might be able to give you what Jamar Chase. Can. And I even said this last week. This is before I scouted. I was like, if the Bears feel that way, you might get a little zesty and, and, and you know, take him at nine. I don't think he's a first round pick, Jack. I, I like my, my, my worry for him is I, he had he had some of the better film uh, of the rest of these prospects, but he didn't present like the explosiveness that I was expecting to see. So again, I went in this year's draft 
hearing the rumblings a little bit more than I usually do. I think it's because I'm like following more people with you know scouting and in 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 uh dynasty and such on Twitter. Um but he reminded me more of like an Earl Bennett type, like slot guy, not necessarily outside. Maybe you can move him a little bit, but more possession, more um, maybe a little bit more explosive than an Earl Bennett. But that that's like that that was what, what I got from him. Really good route running, sharp route running, good hands, but nothing like screamed wide receiver one to me to like to, to even consider him at number nine. Maybe the late first, early second, I I, I think is more fitting for him, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was expect because I didn't see him all year. Like I don't watch college football. I was expecting to see like, you know, you're talking about number nine overall. Like, dude, am I going to get some Jamar Chase type of stuff in here? Am I going to get Drake London type of film? Granted, he's not that type of size, but like Antonio Brown feel. Like I didn't, I didn't get any of the super, you know, like jump off of the screen film. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you didn't see it. I, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with you that it's a lot of personal preference in terms of what you're looking for. Um, I, I had Quentin Johnston as, as my number three. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, he's an interesting player. Obviously the physical traits is really what stands out about him. I didn't run a 40, didn't really do a whole lot at the combine. Um, but he, he kind of, he's, He's a weird mix. Like, I feel like his his ceiling is like Alshon. Like, I see a lot of Alshon. <laughs> but then his floor is every other tall guy, big yeah. physical guy who just ends up not being good. Right? Like, that, like that's his, that's his, his floor. Um, he reminds me a lot of Kevin White in the way that people talk about him in terms of just, like, yeah, he, he dominated the Big 12, but uh, can't really run a route tree. And ever since then, I I, I I don't trust guys like this. I still, there was, were still a lot of things that I liked. Like, I thought he was very good about how he used his size and speed. Um, it did really stand out. But, like, there were games where he'd just do nothing and and just, like, didn't catch a lot of touchdowns. And I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I... I, I part of me likes him, but the other part of me couldn't put him any higher than three. I still think he's better than I, I could see. Actually, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I could see guys like Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt end up having better careers than Quentin Johnston. But I could also see a scenario where he actually ends up being the best wide receiver in this draft class. So it's, he's he's a little strange for me, but that's why I put him at three. Yeah, I I, I don't totally disagree with that synopsis. My number two um, was Jordan Addison. Um, a, a little bit limited of a route, limited of a route tree, but I mean, I like I saw like Brandon Cooks, Deshaun Jackson, like that explosive deep threat that's like you can take anything to the house. I don't know if he did any punt returning or kick returning. Um, I would assume with just the way he, he his speed was that he got that at some level, but I could see that being you know an immediate contributor as well. Um, now you're talking about if the Bears are interested in a burner, that's who I would be interested in. Um, versus uh, uh, fucking uh, Hyatt, uh, you know, I, I, I would I would take Addison in the second round 100%. I, I think he would present that sort of deep threat that would really stretch the field. Um, but yeah, it's the, the the worry there is, I mean, sort of my worry that I have with a, a good amount of these guys, if not all of them, except for my number one, um, I don't think he'll ever be a wide receiver one. Like you're, you're going to need, you know, DeAndre Hopkins on the opposite side of him, just someone with 
you know, th that can attack multiple facets of a defense. But the thing is, there's a certain thing that even if you're not a number one, that you're going to make defenses account for you because you take the top off so well. He, he was that guy for me in this draft. Like he may have games where it's like two targets, one catch for, you know, 25 yards, but everyone else around him absolutely ate because he just kept taking that safety off of the field. You know what I mean? Like it just, it was nothing but go routes. Um, but no, I, I did really enjoy his, I, I really enjoyed his film. I think he, um, I think because of his play style as well, I think he has a pretty high floor in the NFL. I don't know how well it's going to translate fantasy wise though. Yeah. Again, I, I think fantasy wise will all will definitely depend a lot on where these guys go. I don't think there's a single player like running back included where it's just going to be team independent and they'll be great. Yeah. I, I think like a lot of this is going to depend on, on where they go, who their quarterback is, all that stuff. Um, my number two was Smith and Najiba. So number one being Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison has been my number one all off season, all during college football. I just fell in love with, with him and I can't, I can't shake it. Uh, there are some things I do agree with you about Smith and Najiba. Um, the weird thing though, Frank is Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave granted their teammate. They played with him probably trying to hype him up for the draft, get him drafted a little bit higher. I understand that, but it's to me, it's very rare where teammates will just constantly say the same thing, especially two of them. They kept saying that he was the best one out of all of them. Like Garrett Wilson said multiple times, like Smith Najiba was the best out of all of them, which kind of makes me like hesitate a little bit to knock him too much. He, he missed obviously just, a ton of time last year, which makes this really difficult to to really kind of get a good feel because you're looking at tape from a year ago where he was basically the third option behind guys who went what ten and twelve in in, in the draft. Like that's to me, I, I think he's going to be a very good player. I don't know if he'll be great. Uh, I saw some comparisons to Jarvis Landry, so like that type of slot receiver, which Jarvis Landry was super productive in New Orleans, so I that wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't know if I necessarily see Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave type production. Depends where he goes, though. Depends. It, it, it really does. If he, if he went to like the Eagles and he was the wide receiver three between or behind AJ Brown and and Devontae Smith. It's a pretty good it's a pretty good three right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But no, if he goes I, to like the Packers, it's like him and Christian Watson. I, I don't know how well that's really gonna work. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I also I I couldn't shake me just feeling like he couldn't play on the outside. Like I, I think he's a legitimate slot guy. Mm -hmm. Um that just seems to be I, I don't know if it's just like a lack of explosiveness or, or maybe that's just the role that sometimes that this is the case because the thing is, again, route running sharp being in the right places. Like it, he's a, he's a very good football player. And that that could just be what was asked of him, like that sort of style. And then you get to the NFL and you see a totally different side of someone that could be the case. Cause he has the route running to, to do a lot. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, 
the, the, the film didn't match the hype for me because I saw a lot of what you were saying. And that's like when I saw that, I was like, I see a very good player. That's not gonna, I'm not acting like he's a bum by any means. He was my number three. You know, like I liked him, but I don't know. I, I, I couldn't shake the way other people felt about him. And I just didn't feel like the the, the film uh, matched my number one. I'll, I'll be quick because, again, I agree with a lot was was Quentin Johnston. Um, there, there came a point where his ceiling was the separator for me. Because the the three pretty immediately were were Johnston, Addison, Najiba. So those were, and I'm right. sort of ordering them from there. I feel like he does have the highest floor out of all of them, and really the only guy in this draft that has the potential to be a number one receiver. I don't think that'll be right away, though. I don't think any of these guys are going to come in and have the sort of success that the last few drafts drafts have had for receivers. But with his size, um, he, his route tree seems to be a little bit limited. That is what scared me. I, I did feel sort of Kevin white vibes, um, but just the physical talent is there. So like just from a, a, a physical standpoint, his ceiling, I think was higher than everyone else's, especially in that top three. But with that, his floor is, is, is lower. Cause he doesn't have what Najiba has. He doesn't have what Addison has, but he has, I think a potential, you know, to, to, he has the potential to be unlocked to be higher than that. Um, but, uh, you know, again, you ordering them three in any which way, you wouldn't get much of an argument out of me. It, 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 this this was a tough receiver class to gauge, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I would say a lot tougher than last year, which is weird because the players were better last year. So there should have been kind of an easy kind of way to rank them but yeah they were all kind of closer together i think um but yeah just to go over jordan addison again kind of what a lot of what you talked about i just think he's the best route runner i think he's probably the best athlete there's one negative it's obviously his size he doesn't seem to be super strong but um if he can get on the outside he can also play on the inside which i think versatility was another reason that i really like jordan addison uh he allows you to do a lot with him in the offense as opposed to more of your Quentin Johnston is going to be on the outside while Smith Najiba might just be in the slot. So, you know, like I, I, I appreciate a guy who's a little bit more versatility, uh, versatile, I should say. And, and he catches everything. He fucking catches everything that you throw to him. He's going to fucking catch it, which obviously is, is good when you're talking about a, a, a wide receiver. Cause uh, we saw a lot of that with the bears last year where, their one job, which is to catch the ball, and they couldn't fucking do it. So, yeah, I'll take the guy who can actually catch the football. Um, real quick, I, I think we can go over the tight ends. Um, yep. I, I I only ranked three, Frank. I'm I, not going to lie to you. I did too, and I think we okay. ranked the same three. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know what? I I, I have four. I have four because um, there is one other guy that uh, that I did like. Um, so. Give, give me your one, give me your one through three, and I'll give you a couple, a couple others after that. As well. I, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie to you, Jack. I really didn't rank them in order. These were the three that, like, I think could be day, maybe day one, but definitely day two guys. Um, Michael Mayer, uh, who reminded me a lot of Cole Komet. Granted, they went to the same school. You, they may be just scouting tight ends to, you know. To, well, that's Notre to, Dame to fit, for you. They, they love their tight ends. Yeah, to, to sort of fit that mold. Um, Dalton Kincaid. Uh, who I, I think, I mean, if we were ranking him as a receiver, he'd have been like at six. I mean, he, 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 he didn't block very much. He didn't have much very, you know, very much blocking film on him. He, he more of had that, like, he reminded me a lot of Mark Andrews, actually. Um, he had fun film. Um, 
and then three for me. And it's honestly, it was more about like the potential of what he could be. I mean, how, how can you ignore his size and just the athlete that he is was Darnell Washington. Um, I think he has a pretty high floor because just with his size, he's going to be a good blocker on goal line situations, you know, immediately coming in for short yarded situations, but even like on third and longs when you need an extra tackle out there, like, and, and or just like a quick block and like slip out for a, a quick screen or something like that dude fucking crushed his pro day. I, I mean, his God damn, I, he, the, was it, what was it like sports center or maybe it was on Twitter. They were like showing some of the things that he was like certain records. He was breaking um, and different like sati- or not statistics, but like workout things. And I know you don't want to fall too in love with that, but seeing that and knowing like knowing how bad the tight end position can be. Sometimes you just have to take a shot on someone that physically gifted, right? Like you can't not, if he's in the third round, even if you don't necessarily have a need at tight end, you you have to sort of make it work with them or, or try to make it work with them. Yeah. I mean, he, he, literally just kind of reminds me of Jelani Woods, right? Like all over again, he's basically the same, same type of player. I think Jelani was probably a little bit better of a prospect. Um, yeah. Just overall. Jelani gave me more of like a former basketball player type of feel like super right. athletic. Darnell gives me like a, a younger Mercedes Lewis type of feel where it's like, he's okay. just a big body. He didn't, he didn't like, I didn't see too many of him, of him like getting up and, and getting the ball, like crossing routes weren't really there. He had really good blocking highlights. I actually, I enjoyed that more than the the receiving stuff from him. Um, but then seeing what he can do athletically makes me think maybe they just didn't use him that way in college. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious. Man, kind of takes us back to the days of uh, the basketball tight ends. Remember that? Yeah. That was that yeah. was like all the rage. But uh, I'm just kind of just you know was when I was taking a look at. Um, at the tight ends, because for for dynasty purposes, I mean, you never know. You just you just never know who's gonna pop up when they're gonna pop up. Like Trey McBride, obviously was was by far and away the best you know tight end to have. You had to draft him, you had to get him, and then he really didn't do a whole lot in his rookie <laughs> season. But nobody was really worried because that was just sort of how things go. You know, that's yep. sort of just how it goes with tight ends. Um, but yeah, Michael Mayer, I just player comps that I saw online and kind of agreed with some of them. Michael Mayer was compared to Jason Witten, which I was kind of like, you know, after you see that, you kind of look for it. You're kind of like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Dalton Kincaid was compared to uh, Zach Ertz. And then uh, the one that I really liked um, outside of the, the Darnell Washington as well was Luke Musgrave from Oregon state. He got a comp to Dallas Goddard. And once you kind of see those comps, like I was saying, once you see those comps and you start looking for it, you do kind of see a little athleticism. I think this might be one of the best tight end drafts we've had in quite some time. I'm going to be honest with you. Four of these guys might be able to play a little bit here. And and we we get lucky if we get two, you know, in most drafts. So Yeah. No, that's that that that's uh that's very fair. But again, t- the thing with tight end is, especially you're talking dynasty, you draft guys to hold them. You're not yes. drafting like you, you, the receivers usually, especially when you're drafting them in the first round of a dynasty draft, you want them to be day one contributors. If they're not, that's a, a disappointment at this point. I stack tight ends and hold them for four or five years if I can, unless, unless there's salary cap issues and I got to let one go. But like, I do that nonstop. I just continue to do that. And, you know, I, I scout them and, and I, you know, you sort of like some of them, but again, that doesn't always translate. Like they have the outside of probably center and quarterback 
on offense, they have the most responsibilities. They have to block, you know, almost like a tackle, and they have to receive almost like a receiver. <laughs> That's a fucking tough job, man. Right. Yeah, it, it really is. And and some of these guys don't really block. They probably were playing a lot of wide receiver because their team's wide receivers probably weren't all that good. So just had to find ways to get them involved. But it should be an interesting draft. I I'm I'm curious if the bull if the Bulls, Jesus Christ. They're pissing me off already, Frank. I'm gonna be honest with you. I had that guy was I was watching on my phone a little like watching the score a little bit. And they're just you know, they, they suck you in. And then, and then they just play like shit, and it's, you know, same thing as it ever was. But anyways, I'm curious if the Bears end up with any of these skill position players. I could see a scenario where the Bears don't draft a single skill player. They might just be drafting offensive, defensive line. Like I said, I still think they need to get a wide receiver, uh, preferably one of the top-end guys. I would I would like that in, in maybe the second round with one of their second-round picks. I know they've basically spent two second round picks now on, on guys, but it is what it is. You need, you need as many weapons as you can get, especially in today's NFL, especially because you don't know what Chase Claypool will bring you. You don't know how Darnell Mooney's going to look this upcoming season. Got to keep adding. And, and I think they can to the tight end room as well, because they don't feel comfortable with Cole Komet, you know, and you can get one of these guys who you might be able to develop and build with. Be okay with that. I'd be, I'd be okay with the Bears drafting Darnell Washington as just another weapon to have for Justin Fields. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not dying for any of these these wide receivers or, or running backs or tight ends. Same. I mean, so uh, I, I do think if they do draft a skill position player day two, especially day three, I think it will be a running back. Um, but again, the, the one thing that I'm really looking for for next year is, you know, if Michael Mayer, if, Dalton Kincaid, if these guys, you know, Darnell Washington, if, if these guys, you know, are are players that you feel like can be another weapon, they constantly talk last year about versatility and about being open and like using players like, why wouldn't you have, you know, Michael Mayer in the slot for a little while for half a game, you know, or, or have Cole Komet running, running the inside. Like, I, I would like to see a little bit, granted, the skill positions, I'm not, I'm not, saying that as a negative like that should have happened more last year you you were pretty handcuffed you know if, if you're Luke Getzey and the offensive staff with what you really had but I think that should inform the way that you draft as well like if you look at someone just as an offensive weapon and you don't you have more of a loose philosophy of what you want to do on offense you should be able to make things work with a super talented player but you know so if they see someone like that I want to see how you know I, I want to see how they're going to make it work because just like you said, they, we, the, the bears need more weapons, but whether that means a, a wide receiver with straight line speed, whether it's another route runner, whether it's a tight end that can, you know, run seam routes down the middle. They're like they need all of, they need all of it. Still the, 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 the job is not finished building around Justin Fields and the more weapons you can get him and the more creative that Lou Getzey can get as a play caller. Not only does that help us this next year and it helps Justin his development that gets you closer to the head coaching job, but what you did last year doesn't, doesn't get that done. Yeah, it, it's kind of kind of what we talked about again. Uh, I, I hate I hate to keep going back to it, but eventually we'll get to that point where we can. But uh, it, it kind of goes back to Matt Nagy and how he talked about in his second year how he really wanted to open up the playbook. We'll see if Luke Getzey can actually do that now that he has some more weapons to work with. Now that he has guys that maybe fit his offense a little bit better, you know, maybe he was trying to fit David Montgomery in where it didn't really make sense. 
Um, Khalil Herbert maybe was isn't going to be the the running back one we thought he would be. You know, a lot of people in the fantasy community think that he he will be. Um, you know, we'll we'll kind of see how they shape this offense to be a little bit more fitting to what they really want to do as opposed to last year where it was here are some guys make it work best you can and and we'll see how it goes. Um that being said, Frank, like I, I know it's early to say, but I I, I just want to get to the you know, if they don't take a wide receiver this year, that'll be fine. Because I'll just need them to tank again to get Marvin Harrison Jr. and and everything will be right in the world. I just I need that to happen, Frank. I need I need the Bears to get Marvin Harrison Jr. That's 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 my mission for for next season. If they don't make the playoffs, they don't win the Super Bowl. Getting Marvin Harrison Jr. probably the next best thing for me. Well, I mean, there's the potential to do both. Um, there is the potential to do both. I don't forecast the Panthers being very good next year. I really hope not, Frank. We need that first round that pick. That would but be, oh man, that would be idea. great. But uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to the Bear With Us podcast. As always, it's it's draft month. It's April. So the draft will be here before you know it. We'll have some more to talk about. Um, see if the uh, Bears decide to make any moves. I don't know if it'll be anything big, but we'll keep an eye out and, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about it when we talk about it. Till then, talk to you guys later. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody.